There it is. I sound like I'm in a tin can. Do I sound like I'm in a tin can? I'm going to turn my computer on here really quick. This is my, uh, my safety net right here. You know, I got up and I felt like a thousand eyes were piercing my soul as I walked up here because I'm an introvert. <laughs> I shared that with you last time. And so this is my safety net. Um, I'm excited to be here. Uh, like John was saying, um, he did ask if any of us felt compelled. And I felt compelled. And all week I've been going, why did I say I felt compelled? <laughs> um, it's been really good. The Lord uh, has really uh, pulled a lot of, I, I said I had a thousand thoughts yesterday and the day before and tried to whittle them back down into three, so don't worry, we won't be too long. Um, I do have a, almost an hour. I'm not going to take that much time, though, so if I do, y'all can throw things at me, so. Um, well, oh, sorry. What? Okay. Um, do I still sound like I'm in a tin can? I, I hear myself like I'm in a tin can, so maybe it's just in my head. Well, um, Last time I was up here, uh, I got a chance to share out of the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, shared a story with you about how I was in the Philippines visiting with my daughter Alyssa. Uh, she was on the world race and Jess and I got a chance to go there and the Lord magnified this scripture to me. I think I shared that with you last time, Ephesians 2. And the text was, you were dead, but God made you alive, right? That was what we had talked about. And this concept that that, that spiritually we are dead. There's nothing that we can do on our own to save ourselves. There's nothing that we can bring to the cross of Christ to add to what has been done to help us across the line. Does that make sense? Thank you. I'm glad. Uh, and, and, and the concept that there had to be some type of um, an introduction and an intervention by the God of the universe to rescue Saul, who became Paul, the text in Ephesians was talking about that. He was on the way to Damascus with letters in his pocket to go arrest Christians. And that's when God intervened into his life, right? That's when the introduction came. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Well, just Jesus, you know, no big deal. Um, very big deal. Uh, so we talked about that. And so this text that we're going to talk about today is out of Ephesians chapter 2. So if you want to grab your Bibles, and I would encourage you... Uh, to grab a Bible, whether that's on your phone or in the uh, seat in front of you or you brought one with you. We really want to just sit and marinate in this a little bit this morning before I talk. Um, ultimately, this is what lasts and not what comes out of my mouth. And so Ephesians 2, uh, I'm actually going to read uh, verses 1 through 10. This is on page 1170 in your uh, pew Bible there. If you're new to this Jesus thing, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, wait, I, at Romans, Acts, I always get those two confused, Acts, Romans, I should have checked this, uh, First and Second Corinthians, and then G-E-P-C, God Eats Potato Chips, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or General Electric Power Company, there's probably a hundred others that you guys have to remember that order. Um, so... Ephesians is uh, here. Let's let me just read and stop blabbing. Okay, does that sound good? Um, <laughs> that's that's Gene's third amen right there. <laughs> he is. He is. Okay, so here we go. Ephesians two one. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. 
But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And this is where we'll pick up today. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Good stuff, right? Let me go ahead and pray and ask God to, he's already joined us, but ask him to do some stuff here. So, God, we're grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, that you've uh, plowed the way for us um, to enter into the kingdom of heaven through uh, the shed blood of Christ. Um, Thank you that for by grace we have been saved through faith. There's nothing that we bring to this equation that allows us to um, get into heaven. And so, God, would you help us today? Would you illumine our minds? Would you help our ears to hear and our eyes to see? Um, clear our hearts so that we can hear from you what you would have to say through your scripture uh, to us today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> My crutch already let me down here and went to sleep. Um, so, there's three main points that I want to make today for us. Um, and they really are in line with this upward, inward, outward concept and vision that John and our leadership team have talked about. Upward, that God is our creator and we're the created. You know, He's the creator the one who did the working, and we're the ones that were worked and were made. The second part is that inward, we're created in Christ uniquely and distinctly with a purpose. There's reason for why you were created in Christ. There's distinct work for us to do, and what we would do matters for each of us individually and as a family and as a small group and as Harmony Church. Specific things. And then outward, that we were created to do good works. We weren't created to sit in our basement and think about how great we are and Jesus pats us on the back constantly. This is a, you were created to do something, right? Not just created to sit, created to, um, there's lots of reasons why we were created. This is one of the many reasons why we were created is to go do something, right? And so uh, what I want to talk a lot about today is figuring out what he created you to do. Right? Because out of our identity in Christ and this purpose and passion is why we can go out and do these things. And so um, let me start uh, by talking about the obvious here. There's a distinction between God and us. Right? We were just singing a song called How Great Is Our God. You know, there's, there's a distinction that the creator is distinct from us. <laughs> you know, like, there's a separation. It's obvious, like, right? God is the creator. He's the one who made the world. He's the one that breathed into us life. He breathed the earth into existence, right? How cool is that? There's a distinction. We are the ones that were made, not the ones that were doing the making. We kind of get that flipped around in our lives. Maybe it's just our Americanness or our culture, or we just get kind of uh, settled into the, I've got to go do and pull up my, you know, do, do my thing and pull myself up by the bootstraps and get this all done. Uh, it's all about me. It's all about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to, um, 
you know, rescue myself and do all these things. But the reality is that God's the one who made us and we're not the ones who made him. Okay. And so if they can get that kind of kind of set in our minds as we think about this, for we are his workmanship. Um, the we in this is talking about who? Do you guys just shout it out if you can think of who, who's the we in for we are his workmanship in this context? Who? Believers. believers. So the Ephesian believers, right, or who this was uh, written to? That's good. That's really all we have to. <laughs> there's no more answers. Um, uh, <laughs> Paul would lump himself into that, right? Uh, for we are his workmanship. Whose workmanship are we in this? This is this is the su- typical Sunday school answer, right? It's, it's Jesus, it's God. Uh, earlier, I should open my Bible because um, I was using the other one before and got a little bit off where I wanted to be. Um, Ephesians 2, right here. Uh, where is it? Uh, verse 4. But God being rich in mercy, right? The pronoun where his workmanship is based on that right there, right? It, it boils down to verse 4 there. And so we're the work of his hands. You know, he's the one who does the creating and makes. We're the created. Um, in workmanship, uh, you know, there is a designer and there's also a craftsman and a group of people who go and build this thing that we build. And I got thinking, I'm a huge uh, guitar fan and I know our worship team has a lot of awesome acoustic guitars up there, which I was enjoying this morning. Um, I own a Martin guitar. Uh, it's one of my favorite little toys that I have. Um, and this, uh, this guitar that I have, I don't know if you can pop it up there on the screen. Uh, it's got a little number in there, 574604. It was the uh, you know, half a millionth and a little bit plus uh, guitar that Martin made. Uh, Martin has a guitar factory over in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. It's like an hour from here. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to get over there. It is amazing. Uh, you can go through this entire process of watching the workmanship of uh, taking these chunks of wood and big blocks of wood, and they go through this process of cutting into shaping, into molding, into tooling, into gluing, into fitting, and all this stuff, and boom, pops out a guitar. And there's this amazing craftsmanship that goes into the building of these guitars. And <clears throat> Martin, a couple of years ago, built their two millionth guitar. And this thing's off the hook. If you get a chance uh, when you get home, look it up online. I was going to play a seven-minute video, and Ryan's like, no, we can't do seven minutes. Uh, so I won't show it to you, but uh, super intricate, super detailed. Su- I mean, everything about this thing. I actually took a local watchmaker and put a like fancy watch in the headstock and built all this custom stuff. I and mean, it is amazing. And, you know, like 150 pieces just to the watch. And then they make the guitar, and there's like all these pieces and craftsmanship that goes into it. It's awesome. It's really um, shows uh, shows the thinking of a designer. It, it brings the craftsman into play. And so, um, what I uh, just wanted to communicate in that is that you know, there's this collaboration that Martin requires between a guy who wants to build a guitar and a bunch of craftsmen that have to go build it. Well, God doesn't need to collaborate. He didn't collaborate. I mean. <laughs> He's the designer and the craftsman, right? He's the one who designed us and he's the one who crafted us so intricately to the thing that we are individually. Uh, Think about our Kenya trip and how we had eight different folks in that trip who uh, all went there and had unique differences and personalities and passions that we all had, all created by the God of the universe. I think that's really cool. 
Um, so we are his workmanship, right? The truest thing about us is what the creator says about us. So if he says we're his workmanship, we should probably listen, right? We should probably perk our ears and go, well, what does that mean? I mean, we can glance over that pretty easily, right? I mean, how many of you read this text probably a thousand times and just glanced right over it and went right on? Or maybe you got stuck on 2, 8, and 9 for, you know, it's by grace you've been saved and you're like rattling your brain. What does this mean? And you get to the we are his workmanship. I don't want to think about that today. I got too much going on. Um, You know, there's a creativity to the God of the universe that he brings to the human race and to us as individuals. Um, I stand here among, gosh, how many people? 100 100 people in the room. And I'm distinct and I'm unique and I'm created differently than everyone in this room. And so are you guys, right? You all bring something different to the table that I wouldn't bring. I, I experience this a lot in my family, five kids. So one kid, you're like, yeah, I got that, I figured it out. Two kids, oh, that's a cool person. I have five kids, you're just like, man, look at this. Like, we're all different Enneagram types. If any of you guys are Enneagram people, there's nine types on the Enneagram. We've got seven different Enneagram types in the McGrail house. Um, so I get the sense that none of you know what the Enneagram is because you're not laughing. Um, but it's really cool. It's really an expression of who God is because we get to see seven different types of who, like parts of who God is in the, in, the, in the creation of my kids. Does that make sense? How cool is that? How cool is that? It's easy to glance over that and to really pass over we are his workmanship, you know, and, and how that's reflected. So let's move on to inward, created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared beforehand, uniquely, distinctly, purposefully. Um, created in Christ Jesus, what do you guys think that means? Is that, is that a term y'all are familiar with? I know that's a way open-ended question. I should probably be more specific. Um, when you think about created in Christ Jesus, there's what I was talking about before, the breathing of our lives, that when God created us. And there's a second creation that occurs when we meet Christ. There's a second creation. There's a, there's a recreation. There's a 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, the old is gone, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, right? A new creation. There's a second creation that occurs in Christ. I said this before, but the best source to find your identity is in the God of the universe who created you, right? And so if he's the one who's saying that you are his workmanship and that you're created in Christ Jesus, it's time to perk your ears up and listen and go... Do I really believe this? Do I really, do I really, in my heart of hearts, believe what God is saying here? Um, Not only are we created as his workmanship, you know, uh, he also sets his affection on his people, which makes a difference. So sometimes, you know, you can get this concept of, oh, we're just this thing that was made to go do, right? Well, we're more than that. We're more than that. I set my affection on my kids when they were born, right? It's like, I can't imagine life without them. They were born. It's like, boom, wow, look at this. And my affection gets set on them. It's not just workmanship. It's workmanship with affection. And so um, um, it makes a difference because we're not just made to do. We're loved. We have identity. We have purpose. Um, And all that we do flows out of our identity in Christ. Anybody tracking with me? Raise your hand if you're tracking with me. Oh, Ryan, he's like, what? I got you, man. I got you. Thank you, Ryan. It makes me feel good. Um, so this prepared beforehand part, God prepared beforehand some stuff that you're supposed to do. What, what do you guys, I mean, when you think about that, 
And you read your Bible and you're just kind of chilling in your devotional time in the morning, wherever it is, you're drinking your coffee. What does that bring to your mind? Were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that were, which we uh, created before, him, before the foundations of the world, that we should walk in them? I'm mumbling through my scriptures. I sound like a really good elder, Corey McGrail there. Um, what does that bring to your mind? Like... Does that make you wrestle with the fact that he created you distinctly, purposefully, uniquely to do something specific, purposeful, and unique? Right? I'm going to fall on that in a minute. That's my water bottle rolling around. Um, And so I just want to kind of spark our minds this morning to thinking about that and not glancing over something that we've probably looked at a thousand times that is right here in front of us. It's super simple. Ephesians 2.10, where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if he created something for you to walk in and you're not walking in it, you probably have some kind of a void in your life or something that you feel is missing. I mean, um, I'm 46. I have five kids. I'm kind of entering into what everybody would say is the midlife crisis. And you start thinking about this. Am I doing it? Am I, am I hitting the mark? Am I hitting it out of the park? Am I doing what I was created for? Am I fully doing what I was created for? Not just what's good, but what's best for what God's made me to do. And so I think some of us live in this place where there's this void, right? I mean, how many of us in this room would admit that there's maybe something missing? You know, at times, you know, and you're like, I I need, you know, I think part of this is the answer. Is figuring out what we were specifically created for. And I, and I think that's a big deal. I don't think it's small peanuts. I think it's a big deal because if we do understand who our identity is and we understand that God made us and our good works flow out of that, and we can get into the, into the, into the flow of what that means, if that makes sense, it makes a difference for us. I hope I'm making sense as I'm communicating that. Um, he's placed us in the body of Christ purposefully. I've said before, you're not... It, there's there's reason why you're here this morning. <laughs> there's reason why you're at Harmony Baptist this morning and not at a different church. You know, there's purpose behind why you're here. Um, he's gifted you. He's equipped you. You fit. Um, there's a reason for your distinct personality and your distinct interests and your quirks. Maybe. Um. It's important to remember who we are so we're operating out of our identity. If we remember who God is, we remember who we are, we remember that relationship is important. It's critical. Remember who God is and then who we are in that order. I want you guys to look at a video here. This one did uh, pass the screening back there, so it's only three minutes long. Uh, this is a Lion King scene, When, if you remember the movie, uh, Simba had been um, kicked out of Pride Rock. Scar tricked him into thinking he was responsible for his father's death and um, told him to run far, far away, never come back. You know, you can't ever come back. And so Simba leaves, and after some time, he kind of descends down into the druthers of the earth, and he's depressed, and he's, you know, just in this place of, I don't know who I am. So let's see if we can check this out. Sure do you move fossils, boy. Bye. Hey, wait. You know my father? Correction, I know your father. 
I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope! Wrong again! <laughs> He's alive! And I'll show him to you! You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way! Come on! That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. stuff, huh? You're Mufasa's boy. Simba, you've forgotten who you are. Remember who you are. You're my son and the one true king. Right, so there's this, uh, there's this struggle Simba had, right? He's in this depression. He forgot who he was. And as he remembers who he is, then he turns a corner and he rushes back to Pride Rock and then the rest is history if you've seen the movie. Um, so we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to, to do good work. So for we're his workmanship, there's an identity there, the creator and the created, um, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You know, there's, there's purpose and identity behind what we do. Okay, it's not just haphazard stuff that we're out to do. Well, I mean, most, it can be. It can be really haphazard as opposed to purposeful and what the creator has designed for us to do. So let's move on to uh, the third part of this, which is outward, created to do good works. Um, let me read a, a quote from uh, J.I. Packer uh, in Knowing God and the Grace of God. It says, A proper response to grace is that those who have received it should give themselves to good works. And gratitude will move anyone who has truly received grace to do as God requires. <clears throat> so this good works flow out of the grace that we've received, right? Um, 
I don't know how much to get into Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 right now. There's a whole, like, eight sermons packed into that scripture. Um, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's good theology. I'm going to read it the opposite way to you real quick. Because I think this might be what a lot of us maybe believe. For it is by works you have been saved through unbelief, and this is from yourself. It is payment to you for what you have done, not by grace, so that you can boast. That makes you look at it a little differently, doesn't it? How many times have we heard Ephesians 2? I mean, it is the Protestant scripture for the basis of, of, of faith and grace being why we're saved without works. The whole thing ties up in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Titus 3, 5. He saved us. Not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. Right? Backwards theology says it's about what we've done and what we bring to the cross. And it's, and it's our good works plus the cross of Christ that save us. A lot of us believe that before we met Christ. Some of us maybe even still believe it, I think. Maybe in our sanctification we believe there's a little bit of that. That goes on, that we can't rest in our identity of who Christ is. <clears throat> our culture tells us that uh, if I give you a gift, I'm going to pick on Karen because she's my friend and she's right here and I can see her. Um, if I give you a Christmas gift and you, maybe you forgot to put me on your list, there's an obligation that Karen has now to give me what? Back. Right? I got the caramel popcorn from them and I forgot to give it to the other eight. Oh, somebody gave me one. Oh, man, I got to go make some more popcorn, put it back and give it to them because... That's the obligation we have, right? There's no such thing as a free lunch. <clears throat> so this stands in contradiction to that, right? Our American thinking stands in contradiction to biblical thinking sometimes. And so what Paul is communicating here is that it's not good works that save us. It's not good works plus our faith in Christ that save us, right? If we said that there was something that we could do that was good enough to add to what Christ did, like that, that's kind of what we're doing, right? If we said that, we're negating what the cross of Christ does, right? Because if what Christ did wasn't sufficient, that's what we're saying. We're saying Christ was not sufficient. His sacrifice on the cross for us wasn't sufficient. It didn't fully atone for what the payment that my sin created, Right? And so we bring to it a little bit of this and a little bit of that, a little bit of good works. And maybe if I can, if I can take the scales and, and I can do enough good works to make it so that I'll merit some salvation from God. We kind of keep that thinking even, as we, even after we Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We believe for by grace, you know, through faith, you've been saved, right? We carry that thinking on into our Christian life oftentimes. And I do think there is... Some of this. There's a lot more to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 of works and, and, and faith. <clears throat> they are interconnected. But works do not get you across the line to start salvation. Right? They do flow out of us. They're a natural byproduct of our faith. Right? Good works are what we do. When you meet Christ and he's, there's this new creation that you are, you just want to go out and do good works for people. You want to tell the gospel, share the gospel. Um. <clears throat> Good works coupled with love are then what we're commanded to go do. Um, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So let me connect the dots on a couple things here. Because I think 
it's easy to, well, it's easy for me not to connect the dots. I talk around things a lot. My wife tells me, talking like around it, just talk about it. <laughs> Nobody else has that problem. Um, so if you were created to do something, I don't want to oversimplify this by just saying, um, do good works. <laughs> right? A plus B equals C formula, like super simple, and we'll all be good. We can go home, get in our cars, go home, slip on the driveway, walk in, get brunch, watch some NFL, whatever we're doing this afternoon. I don't want to oversimplify that by just saying, go do good works. I think there's a process there of discovery um, of who God is and who we are that we have to figure out. And I wish I could give you like the, the, you know, the formula to that, but I think I'm still figuring it out. And I'm, like I said, I'm 46. I think a lot of us are still figuring that out. Who are you? Why were you created? What's distinct about you? Why did God put you in that seat, in that role, in that place in your job? Why did God surround you by those neighbors? You know, what is, what is that part that you bring to the table, right? There's a reason why I don't live in your house, in your place, at your time, right? I live in 229 Mohican Lake Road up in Glens Bay, New York, 20 minutes north of Port Jervis. That's where I live. You guys don't live there. I don't live in your house. You don't live in my house. There's a reason, you know. There really is a, a reason. I don't think God just kind of shakes up the Yahtzee dice and throws them out and hopes we land in the right spot. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and there were works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so there's a uniqueness uh, to what we're doing. There's a purpose, and there's discovery. Um, I think this discovery process is one that requires applying wisdom, biblical wisdom, within your community while we're shaking in some ministry trial and error to discover who God is and what he made you to do. So I'm going to say that again because I think it's profound. <laughs> you guys are like, oh, <laughs> nodding off. But, um, learning what God made for you is a process of discovery, one that requires applying biblical wisdom within community while shaking in some ministry trial and error, Right? John has said, said this. Say it again. Say, uh, say it. He likes it. So, uh, One that requires applying biblical wisdom within community while shaking in some ministry trial and error. That's what helps us discover who God is as we look to him and who he made us to be, right? I think um, someone has shared from up here before. I can't remember who, but as you're thinking about getting involved in the church, and you haven't been involved in the church, we just say, just go try something. You know, just go try something. Why? Because you might like it. <laughs> you might find it's what God made you to do. You may find the opposite. You may find this is like the 100% negative, never, ever going back and doing this again. That's okay. Because maybe God didn't create you to that. <clears throat> and so you try one thing. If it doesn't work, you move on to something else. Some trial and error helps you figure out who you are and who God created you to be. And how you fit in this bigger thing. Um, I want to suggest perhaps there's this longing, as I was talking about before, this void within us um, that gets fulfilled when we know God and what we were created to do. Um, Perhaps there's something you ought to be doing that makes you come alive. 
Um, maybe there's a void or a hole you need to fill. Uh, there's a quote I'm going to throw up on the screen here. Um, there it is. Howard Thurman said, Don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world, and really the church, needs is people who have come alive. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world, and really the church, needs is people who have come alive. The early church fathers affirmed this. Arrhenius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. I think a lot of us don't even know what that means. We're like, what is he talking about up there? I don't even sometimes know what I'm talking about. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you this. Um, so why, why does it matter that there's this part of us that maybe needs to be filled that isn't being filled, and there's this part of us that needs to come alive that maybe is dead? What does it matter for us? Shout out some ideas, thoughts. Because it brings God glory when we do find that purpose and do it. Yeah. It brings God glory when we find that purpose of doing and doing. Sure. Anybody else? What'd you say? We're afraid. We're afraid, yeah. We're not moving forward, we're moving backwards. Yeah, we're not moving forwards, we're moving backwards. What's that? Concepts only get you so far, right? There's a, uh, yeah, concepts only get you so far. I like that a lot. You know, theology without application is just knowledge, right? Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. I mean, we go all around in circles all day long. It's like, you know, like, if we don't take the theology, if we don't take this and we don't look at it and go, how does this change my life? How does this make me brush my teeth different tomorrow morning? How does this... Uh, make me live my life differently, then it's just a book full of knowledge and words that we're just kind of carrying around with us. But when it becomes practical and you take it and you make it do something different in your life, that's when the difference makes, the difference comes in. That's when you start taking steps forward instead of taking steps back, right? In our um, Bible study in Sunday school, we're talking about the helmet, um, the shield of faith. Without the faith to do something with that belief means nothing. Mm. That's a great point. <clears throat> belief without the faith to do it means nothing. Right? So there, there, there is, uh, you know, knowledge here coupled with faith, coupled with belief. And then we go and we do. <laughs> this is hard for a Catholic boy like me who I was raised and born. You guys didn't probably know that about me. But eight years of Catholic elementary school. Um, I learned a lot about what it meant to 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 do and to, um, I just missed some things. <laughs> like, like when I was growing up in elementary school, I just missed the point. I just missed the whole like, you know, Jesus died for my sins so that I didn't have to work for it and that I'm, I'm accepted by him and I don't have to earn his, I don't have to earn his favor by meriting that through what I did. I just missed it. Missed it so bad. Um, so that's really good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, what are some examples of good works? I've got some things running through my mind, but I want to hear from you guys again. 
What are some examples of good works when you hear for where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works? God has given you talent. You believe in the word, the word hit what he's given you. You're not edifying Christ yeah. as far as what he's enabled you to do. Everybody has a little different talent, a little yeah. different gift. And uh, you do not, uh, and you know the theory. And if you don't use the theory, he's entrusted you with it. You're just sort of hindering yourself. Yeah. Dishes. What was that? Dishes. Dishes? I'll give you five bucks later. Thank you. For saying that. What was it? Building each other up. Building each other up or edifying somebody. That's certainly a good work. What else? Having God's love shine through us. I think serving the least of these. Serving the least of these. I'm saying that for the recording, right? Holding each other accountable. Yeah. Discipleship. Discipleship. So conforming to the image of Christ, right? You get across the first line. I've, I've made it. I'm in the beloved. Christ has set his affection on me. Now what? <laughs> Discipleship is what do we do next, right? Yeah. How do we become begins. more like Christ? Yeah. That's where the work begins. That's when the work begins. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. What else? What other good works? You can be really super detailed about this. What was that? Being kind and forgiving to yourself. Well, it's got to start somewhere, right? If it doesn't start with you, then you're certainly not going to be able to be kind and forgiving towards your neighbor. I love it. What else? We're doing some of it in our church right now. Feed the poor. Visit the sick. Yeah. Feed the poor. Visit the sick. I mean, isn't that what we're called to do? Right? Serve one another. I love it. We've got some really good things happening at Harmony. What was that? Widows and orphans. Thank you. Right? You have a God who cares about widows and orphans. He's the champion of widows, it says. Isn't that awesome? What else? I know some of you want to talk. You feel like you haven't been able to talk in a while. You want to shout something out. So gift giving, giving where it's needed. Yeah. Yeah. I knew some of you wanted to say more. <laughs> gift giving, being generous, right? That's certainly something that we need more of. What else? You introverts in the room need to speak up. This is your time. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Did y'all hear that? Anything you do can be worship. <laughs> Starting an IV, taking the trash out, serving your country. Um, yeah, absolutely. Gathering to worship. Gathering to worship, yeah. Those are all very good. Being available? It's so easy to be busy, it takes work to be available. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sharing the gospel. Well, that's the whole point, right? <laughs> Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, and while you do it, show some love. Right? I mean, that circles the whole thing. Do good works. Gospel sharing. I mean, that's what, that's what brings people into the kingdom is when they see you going out and being generous and you going out and feeding the poor and you going vis- visiting the sick and, 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 and caring for yourself and caring for them and showing forgiveness to them. That's when things start to change and they recognize what's different here, what's going on. And then all of a sudden the gospel starts to mean something to them. Right? We can't give what we don't have. So if we're not living in a place of forgiveness and a place of identity, we can't give that to other people, right? Um, this is really good. I wasn't planning on doing that. So thanks for engaging me. I want to um, share a big story with you real quick. And by big story, I mean <clears throat> this is an example of the church doing good works. It's, a, it's, a <laughs> it's something that started really small that got really big. And it's so cool. Um, It was birthed out of pain and a place of suffering, Um, but it's a story filled with hope and purpose. It's about a company called Sackcloth and Ashes. Um, The guy right there, his name's Bob Dalton. Bob Dalton was a Young Life leader in Portland, Oregon, and Young Life leaders have this distinct way of having to walk into kids' world and learn what their world is, high school kids. So we go to football games, we awkwardly enter into their space. Uh, or we enter into their awkward space is probably a better way of putting it. And we love them, and we care for them, and we try and share the gospel with them, and we love them regardless of their response. So this guy's doing that, right, in Portland, Oregon. And, and um, out of that kind of time he spent uh, uh, being a volunteer leader, he also at the same time, his mom, who's on the screen there, uh, found herself living on the streets in 2013. So she was homeless and uh, single, Hardworking single mother. So he tells this story about God just pricked his heart. And he said, I just want to help the homeless. How am I going to do that? I don't, know. I don't know what they need. So what did he do? He picked up the phone. He called like eight homeless shelters. And he just said, what do you guys need? What's your biggest need? And what do you think they said? Number one need. Time. Food, shelter. Time. Blankets, time. It was blankets. Yeah. So what did he do? He went and bought a sewing machine and some fabric. And he took them to his house and he started sewing blankets up. And he quickly realized that he did not know how to sew (laughs) at all. And so he found a local seamstress who came alongside him and helped him. And and out of that was born Sackcloth Ashes. And one of their um, mission purposes uh, is um, to give away a blanket for every blanket you buy. And they give that blanket to a homeless shelter, a local homeless shelter. That's cool, right? Does anybody think that's cool? I think that's really, really cool. So I was at a conference last week in Florida, 5,500 staff people for the um, ministry that I work with. And this guy gets on stage and he um, does this big reveal and they give us all a blanket. 5,500 blankets to us, which meant 5,500 blankets to get donated to a local homeless shelter. How cool is that? So 4,000 went to the local Orlando homeless shelters and 1,500 went internationally. And I think about that story, I'm like getting choked up, like thinking about it. Because there's, I don't know if that just doesn't just like create, stir something in you, right? Like, how cool is that? Like, you were, you know, created in Christ Jesus to go do good works. 
And so this guy just had an idea, a concept that he went with, and he bought a sewing machine, and then he failed, and then he tried, and then all of a sudden, they've got this huge campaign right now to put a million blankets in homeless shelters by 2024. So I don't know why that's hitting me like that. Because I think it matters, right? It matters that we're not just here doing this Christian thing so we can come to church on Sunday and then go home and pat ourselves on the back and do our regular gig, right? We were created for something more than that. You know, there's, there's a longing in our hearts and a void that can only be filled when we're doing what God designed us and created us and prepared before the foundations of the world specifically for us to do. And when you're not doing it, you're going to feel empty and lost and rudderless. And I think about half of you raised your hands when I asked that question before. There is an answer to that, right? Obviously, there's an answer to that. I wouldn't say it's an easy answer. I said earlier, there's, the formula isn't A plus B equals C. The formula is you're different, and you're different, and you're different. And I love your beard, by the way. And you're different, 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 and you're different. And everybody has something different that we were created, distinctly created to do. That's the heart of what I wanted to share today. Um, and wanted to build you up. Because even though there's a void, what it says is there's something bigger that you're looking for, right? David Wilcox sings a song called That's What the Lonely Is For. The lonely is there to tell you there's something bigger that we need to go after. And so that void that's there can sometimes be just, you need to discover what you were created for. You need to look upward and figure out who God is. You need to look inward, figure out who you are, why you were created, and then you need to start going and doing. And I'm not talking about just in the confines of the walls of this church. I'm talking about outside the fence, Go to the football game and stand in an awkward situation with a high school kid and love them where they're at. And then be present, like Ryan said. Be available, you know, when the time comes. And so um, I'm not advocating for this business. I think it's a worldly cause, so you should buy one of their blankets. But um, I'm telling you a story about what the greater church is doing. Because this guy is a part of the body of Christ, right? Not just, I did it. I just said, right. That's the first time. Um, <laughs> I've said it more, okay, uh, way more times than that. <laughs> little funny aside, I've said, the, I said, can I sit, share this? Oh, he's counting over there. <laughs> so the last time I was up here, I said, right, 72 times, okay? I actually pulled out a post-it note when I listened to my sermon again, and I tick-marked it and, it, and it, and it counted up to 72 times. And so I thought I only said it once right there, but apparently I've said it 30 times, so I'm getting better. <laughs> Yeah. What's that? I'm way under budget. Way under budget. Spending, spend it all. Spend it all. Um, yeah. What's that? I think Jesus offers us living water. Most of us are content to be dehydrated. Mm. Did y'all hear that? Jesus offers us living water, but most of us are content with being dehydrated. I'm done. <laughs> Is awesome. Thank you, Carolyn, for sharing that. How true is that? I mean, and that's really what I'm getting at. The heart of all of this is there's something bigger that you were created to do. Right? 37. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this covered. Right? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. 
And there's something bigger than just one person can accomplish, right? Bob Dalton was, was one guy. Mm. One guy. Pray for one. I'm the guy. But it started with one guy with a vision for reaching people. He had an understanding that God created him to do good works. He knows the God of the universe cares about the homeless, right? He knows the God of the universe recreated him in Christ to do good works. So he did something about it. So I'm wondering just if that stirs something in you, right? Uh, (laughs) I literally am just saying it. I'm not even trying. It just is coming out. So I want to challenge you with some questions as I close. Can I do that? Um, I want to encourage you to do something with this. Are you ready? You got your pen? You don't have to take your pen out. Something that uh, came to my mind a while ago was just this concept of getting to the feet of Jesus. Right? And so with this, I want to encourage you to get to the feet of Jesus. Okay? Stop filling in the blanks before you've gotten to his feet with the answer. Okay? Stop saying... I already know what I uh, am made for. I was born in this family. I have this college education. I did this. Uh, This is my line of work. I know what I was created to do. Some of that might be true. I'm not discrediting it. A lot of what that that is may be true. But what I'm saying is take a blank piece of paper, okay, and get to Jesus' feet and say, what did you create me for? What did you create me for? Not what did you create Jessica McGrail for or... Donna, Thompson, or Ryan Edmonds. What did you create me for, right? (laughs) Did it again. Pray and petition for him to answer you. I don't mean just pray, I mean petition him. Take it back to him a bunch of times. It's not a one, this is not like a one and done. Discovery process is not a one and done with him. Fast about it if you feel so inclined. Be persistent. Get an answer. Okay? That's my thought. That's my first thought. I had more, so I hope you had more pen and ink. What did he prepare before the foundation of the world for you to walk in? That's the question. And I challenge you to start serving. If you're hesitant to dive into doing something at Harmony, what's holding you back? Um, some of you have already filled in the blanks for what he created you to do, right? At Harmony. And John said this many times. Some of you need to just stop doing so many things, right? Some of you need a reboot to go, what was I recreated for? Maybe I've been doing this gig for 20 years or 10 years or five years. And I need to figure out and get to the feet of Jesus and figure out what is it that he created me for that makes me come alive. Not that doesn't drain me or dehydrate me. I love that doesn't drain you or dehydrate you. Because we can, so many of us are doing stuff that's just draining us. How many of you are doing something right now? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you want to, raise your hand. Are you doing work in this church that's draining you? Right? John, John said, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Because they are, what do they say, 90, if you're happy with 90% of your job, you're good. So there's going to be some things about every job that we do that you're going to, I don't want to do this thing for kids' church or for the food pantry or for the mission team. I just want to, you know, I just want it all to be good. Um, your growth in Christ is stunted when you do not serve. Um, so you need to go do something. Figure out something to do. Sprinkle the trial and error of what I was saying before. Apply the biblical wisdom in community with your home group, your small group, and say, hey, small group leader, what do you see in me that I should be doing? Maybe I'm not seeing this. Maybe I need somebody who's my mentor to tell me what they're seeing in me. What's my family seeing in me? What do my friends see in me? Ask for their ideas. If you're full of good ideas, (laughs) um, I would say hold them for a little bit and pray on them and just wait. Um, I don't know if you have any impulsive children in your house who like to change their minds about what they're excited about today and then eight hours later they're excited about something different and then the next day they're excited about something else and then by the third day you go, if I just wait long enough, they'll be on something else that I don't need to answer question one. Some of us are like that. Um, I can be like that. I mean, being transparent, you know. Uh, I just want to get out the gates and just go, go, go. And sometimes I need to hold back and just say, okay, I need to wait a month. I need to pray over this. I need to pray some more. And then if it lasts, I want to encourage you to bring it to your small group leader. Bring it to the leadership team that stood up before and share it. Because part of what we're trying to figure out of the going outside, going and doing, and the outward vision for harmony. Yeah, we know some of the things we're doing, but man, we think there's something big and more that we should be doing. And I don't mean more stuff to do so we all get dehydrated and worn out all the time. I mean, what were we created, like individually, as families, as small groups, as Harmony Baptists right here to do? Because we're part of a bigger Orange County church, New York church, U.S. church, North American church, Seven Continents church. We're part of that. This is just a small piece of that. Um, And then I just challenge you to be bold. This is my last thing, and then I'll... Be quiet. You're praying to the Creator who has said that He can do more than you can ask or imagine. I don't believe that all the time, but we are. And so I would encourage you to do that. So I'm going to leave you with this God created you. You have value. You're His workmanship. He has set His affection on you. You're recreated in Christ Jesus. You're born again to new life. You have worth because he says so, not because I said so, but because he says so. Remember who he is as our creator and who you are as the created. Find out why he's created you and now go do something. Love you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for letting me share with you today. That's all we got, right? Oh, I should. And we're dismissed. All right. Have a great day and great afternoon. Come shovel my driveway if you don't have any work to do.